favorite authors, friends, and guests explore the simple side of life. Here's your host, Amish fiction author, Tracy Fertikowski. Hey there, welcome to another episode of Buggy Talk. I'm your host, Tracy Fredikowski. Each week, I bring you the story behind the stories along with the storytellers. For this week's episode, we have fiction author Thomas Nye, who will introduce us to one of his favorite Amish novels, Samson and Amish Delilah. Hello, Thomas. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you, Tracy? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have lots to talk about, one being a book we pulled from your archives called Samson and Amish Delilah. But before we do that, I'd like to hear a little bit more about your career and what you've been up to for the past year or so. So are you ready to get started? I think I am. Okay. Well, the first question that I love to ask some of my fiction authors is, what inspired you to start writing in the first place? Well, I think you'll find that I'm not very much like most authors. I had no dreams or uh, aspirations of being an author. I actually just became so fascinated with the Amish and had so many good experiences in my life in an Amish community that I started thinking, I need to put these, uh, these things down because I think people would be interested in reading about it. And I really wanted a book that was about the farming aspect of Amish life. Um, one of my favorite books is Farmer Boy by Laura Ingalls Wilder. And I thought there ought to be a book about the Amish lifestyle kind of like Farmer Boy, if anybody's familiar with that. And um, so I literally wrote the book that I wanted to read. And that's how I, that's what launched my career as an author. Well, that that's amazing. Now, don't you own horses, Thomas? Aren't you big into horses? Yes, I am. I draft horses. And I've had a lot of horses over the years. I started out with riding horses, but because of living in an Amish community, I became fascinated with uh, draft horses that the Amish used to do their field work, and I decided to buy a team of draft horses. How oh, interesting. I, I have a friend who owns draft horses, and they still plow their gardens with them, and it's just amazing to watch. It is fun. It is. So tell us, what is the most challenging part about writing for you? I have to say uh, the editing process, because... I love to write. The writing part, sitting down, I sit down with my laptop probably the same way that many readers sit down with a novel to read. I sit down to write. And so I just love it. It's cozy for me. I can sit there and, and work out my storylines and my characters. And I, that part is wonderful. But editing is work. And going back through after a publisher looks at the book and wants you to change things, I struggle with that. That's work. I, it is for my, me, too. That's not the process about writing that I like. I like writing the book, and I like it being published. The, all that in stuff, the middle stuff, oh, it's not. But it, it, comes, it comes as part of the job. So, so tell us, what would you say is the most interesting writing quirk that you have? Well, I guess I'm not exactly sure what you're looking for, but I think I would probably say people might think that my writing is a little quirky in the way that I have horses in every book. And many of my books, horses are a character, a lead character in the story. 
that's because that's one of my interests, but I've also um, experienced being around enough Amish people that I've learned that horses are really the lifeblood of an Amish farm. And um, it's the cornerstone of Amish life. And so it, I don't try to resist that urge. Uh, I know that not everybody is a horse fan or wants to read a book about horses. I don't think you'll find my books to be horse books, but they definitely have horses in them. And I, I actually have a second quirk I would say is that I write in a cinematic way, meaning that I kind of visualize a movie as I'm writing, and then I try to describe the movie basically in my writing. I don't know if you do that, if other authors do that. I, I, I do. I, I do. And I've talked to quite a few um, fiction authors, and some are great plotters. I'm not a great plotter. What I am at is I sit at my keyboard, and the story writes itself. And I tried to – my husband asked me one time, you know, how do you come up with these storylines? I said – they really write themselves. I come up with the characters and the setting, and when I sit down, just like you, Thomas, that movie plays in my head, and I just write what I see, and my husband finds that fascinating. So I, I'm excited that you explained it the same way as I – that's how I write is exactly the way you write. And a comment I would make about that is that I actually was stunned when I started writing how much the story writes itself, and I know what you're talking about. The characters almost come to life, and you feel, this is sort of mysterious. I can't explain how this is happening, but the story is just kind of coming to life in front of me, and, and I start writing, and it goes in a direction I didn't plan for it to go, but then I look at it, and I go, ooh. It's kind of fun. I didn't think of this. <laughs> you know, don't, don't you often, you, you know, you write words that come in your head and you think, where did that come from? Yeah. How, did, how did I come up with that? Yeah, it's fun. Cool, it's cool. So I have to ask, um, or actually I know, but tell our listeners, is writing a full-time career for you or would you like it to be? Um, absolutely would like it to be. It is not, though. I am a mailman, and I deliver mail in Iowa City, Iowa. I've been at the post office for 31 years. Um, my route that I deliver mail on is on the bluffs of the Iowa River as they flow through Iowa City. Beautiful neighborhood, uh, wooded area. And so I'm outdoors all day, and during that time, I dream up novels. I might get writer's block someday. But as it is, I dream up these story ideas while I'm delivering mail, and I don't have enough time to write them all down. So I have not dealt with writer's block because I don't have enough time to get all my ideas written out. <laughs> <laughs> you, but, need to, you need to carry a tape recorder with you or, you know, yeah. an inhale tape recorder and, and, and speak, your, speak your story ideas for you. I, I do uh, write down notes all day long and get distracted and write down notes, but I've tried the tape recorder. It didn't work for it me. It didn't work. It didn't um, work. So I think you've pretty much already answered this question with your love for Amish, and you've spent a lot of time in Amish country, but why Amish fiction? Okay, yeah, I I do want to comment more on that, and it is, I, um, it came about to me the opposite way. Um, when I was 19 years old, I moved into this community where there were a lot of Amish, and the first friends I made happened to be Amish teens, which I was kind of pushing their envelope a little bit, but I was so fascinated, and it might be an unusual thing for a 19-year-old boy to be that interested, but 
I just love history and I love horses. And so I, I became friends with a group of Amish young people and they took me along with them to Amish church, singings, volleyball games. I went along when they went to catch chickens and we gave the money from catching to a, to an uh, Amish cause, some, a family that needed money. Um, we, I helped make hay with uh, the other Amish teens and I had uh, just a fantastic time getting to know these young people. So my, my, um, introduction into the Amish world came that way. And then coincidentally, my mom, who just passed away recently, my stepmom, she um, taught school at an Amish school. It was a unique situation. They asked a public school teacher to teach at a one-room Amish school in our community for, and it lasted for about five years. And she happened to be the one they selected. And I, it was just so fun because we, my wife and I, it was during our young, young married years, we would go to all of the events, the picnics and the school programs, Christmas program, and we got to know the Amish families and we got to know the Amish children and just that we just got involved with the Amish community more that way. And it was a lot of the same people that I had hung out with when I was 19. So I, I was getting to know more and more the Amish in our community. And then, so um, my wife grew up Mennonite, and she would want to make sure I noted that um, her Mennonite church was very different than the Amish. They were very, you would not have known her from Methodist or Baptist probably um, when she was a teenager. But nonetheless, her family uh, had a lot of the they, they were very involved in the Amish community. Um, my wife's dad, I, so often I meet an older Amish man and he says, oh, I went to school with your wife's dad. <laughs> and, and this Mennonite family, um, they have a lot of Amish traditions, whether they want to admit it or not. And um, those things, you know, kind of were fun for me because coming from outside of an Amish community and a Mennonite community, the things that she said, I thought were odd, an odd one. I woke up one night and she said, ah, oh, the sheets are all percussed. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and she said, oh, that means tangled up, you know. <laughs> it was an Amish word or a Pennsylvania Dutch word. Mm -hmm. Things like that happen a lot. I guess then being so interconnected with the Amish community, I, the next thing that happened was that I got involved in draft horses and I knew a lot of Amish people, so I went to my friends. I started asking questions. So many experiences came into my life with my Amish friends that I decided I have to write about this. It's just too fascinating. There needs to be books written about this. Well, I, I found out that there are books written about the Amish, a lot of books. But I kind of had, had my own angle that I wanted to bring to the table and it's a little bit more of the farming aspect of Amish life. That is so amazing and so interesting. You know, you can tell when you read a story that has written, that's written by someone who has firsthand experience with the Amish. They're believable. You, you, can, you can feel yourself in the storyline, and you're actually portraying them as they really are. And, and I appreciate that so much. You know, your background is very, very similar to my background. I grew up in Amish country, um, had Amish friends, 
went to a Mennonite church for about five years. My husband and I went to a Mennonite church about five, for five years. My husband actually found Christ through that Mennonite church. So it, it's a very special uh, memory for me. Um, we have we go to a church now that m- half of the people are Mennonite. So, you know, the I'm surrounded with that culture, not only in my childhood in Pennsylvania, but I'm I'm still surrounded in that with that culture here in South Carolina, and it has made me a better writer for what I write because I understand and I know firsthand what their lifestyle, what their values are, how they speak to one another, how they feel about the Englishers, you know, compared to, you know, being in their community. So there was nothing else that you could have written, Thomas. You had yeah, to write Amish. You I think you're right. <laughs> and the same with me. I had to write Amish. That's I grew yeah. up in deep in Amish country, you know, so there was no other fiction that fit me as good as Amish. And it sounds like it was exactly the same for you. Wow. Our experience is very similar. That it way. is. Yes. It is. Thank you so much for sharing your background with us. That was just so interesting. But I do want to give us plenty of time to talk about Samson and Amish Delilah. I know this is one of the books from your archives. And when I was researching it a little bit, I can't wait to read it. But um, you're going to give us an insight to this storyline. But before I ask you some specific questions about the book itself and how you came up with the storyline, I'm going to set the stage for us by reading your back matter. Is that okay? Okay, that sounds great. Okay. Entertaining, endearing, unexpected. A story of clashing cultures, hearts laid bare, and the power of forgiveness. Delilah steps out of the pages of a best-selling Amish novel and into the real world. When media giants discover that she's alive and well, the race to find her is on. A young man named Dave sets out with inside information, hoping to get to her first and cash in. He's as surprised as everybody that there's more than one Amish Delilah. How can he be sure that he's found the right girl? Dave searches the pages of the novel to be certain he has the right Delilah. Real life begins to merge with fiction, and Dave suddenly realizes that he has fallen into the story and become Samson. Worst yet, he fears he's on a collision course with the novel's wild ending. Cultures collide as big media comes face-to-face with Amish family values. Dave and Delilah are caught in a vice between two worlds. Will they sell out? For the almighty dollar, people from all walks of life will find themselves connecting with Samson and Delilah's heartwarming, page-turning story of friendship, redemption, and hope. That sounds so exciting to me, Thomas. I can't wait for you to tell us more about it. To begin with, how about you tell us what was the inspiration for this story? Okay, well, I don't know if you've ever heard of Horse Progress Days, but it's an interesting event that happens yearly in Amish communities around the country. And they change locations, but there's almost a fair that is run by Amish and uh, outsiders are welcome. And you, if you haven't been to one, you definitely need to go. Anybody who loves Amish fiction or loves Amish culture needs to attend one of these events. I sell books. I've gone to five different Horse Progress Day events and um, sold books there. And at one of the events in Shipshawana, Indiana, a young teenage Amish girl came by 
my table and she stood and looked at my books for a long time and she was so cute and just she's I got started talking to her and she told me that she loves to read Amish books and that just really caught my fancy and it just so happened as I got talking to her I started thinking what would this girl think if she ended up being the leading lady in an Amish novel and started reading it and found herself in the pages. Wouldn't that be fun? (laughs) And so that's kind of sparked my idea. So I use this girl as my main character, Delilah. The name Delilah, my mom, when she was teaching Amish school, actually had a student named Delilah. And I still know her to this day. And I just talked to her yesterday. And she has told me there are quite a few other Amish girls with the name Delilah, which seems surprising maybe to some people, but um, it's a name the Amish like to use. I guess that's this girl. I, I gave her the name Delilah. I don't know her name, but I like, I used her mannerisms. And one of them that I thought was really cute is she often said, I see. And I think it's sort of an Amish phrase to say, I see. But I really use it throughout this story as a mannerism. So did when you described what she looked like, did you have this girl in your mind when you described her in your book? Yes, definitely. And so happens that she reminded me a lot of one of my daughters. I kind of used my daughter as a mental image to help me remember what this girl looked like. I didn't take her picture. But my daughter, who reminds me of this girl, is on the cover of the book along with my son. Oh, that's that's wonderful. Um, I think that a lot of Amish authors do that. I know Jennifer Speederman has a storyboard, and she actually had, finds pictures of her characters, and then when she describes them, she, you know, uses that picture to visualize them. And I have been known to take pictures of strangers. <laughs> if, if I'm writing a story and I and I see somebody that I think that, that person or their mannerism would fit my character. I've been known to sneak a little picture of them. So um, I think we all do that. We have to have that visual of them in order to write about them, whether it be the color of their hair, the way they talk, the way they use their hands. You have to have a a mental picture of your characters to make them believable. Agreed. I totally agree. And I listened to a podcast where you described uh, snapping a picture of a guy that was a character in one of your books, and I I loved it. <laughs> I did. It was it was it was Daniel um, in the Secrets of Willow Springs book three. I was sitting in a coffee shop in New Wilmington, Pennsylvania, where my stories are set, and this guy happened to walk in, and I took a picture of him, and he became. He became Daniel in in book three of Secrets of Willow Springs. So, yep, I certainly do that. So tell us a little more about the story itself. Okay, I like to tell people that Samson and Elmish Delilah is a book about a book. The idea is that people all over America have already read a novel um, with this name, Samson and Delilah, and they have fallen in love with the main character, Delilah. And the author tells the media that there actually is a real girl with the name Delilah. He gets criticism that the girl is too perfect. And so in order to defend himself, he says, well, I actually know this girl. 
Well, shortly after he makes that statement, he becomes ill and he passes away. So the media, as the book grows in popularity, the media becomes obsessed with trying to figure out who this Delilah girl is. The story begins with a young man named Dave who has an inside track on where she might be. And so he gets offered $100,000 if he can find her and get her to agree to having pictures taken and to do some interviews and maybe be on a magazine cover. And so he sets off with high hopes of finding this girl. Well, he does find her early in the story. I'm not giving anything away to say that. It's pretty much right away he finds the girl because he knows where to look. And what he wasn't expecting is how much she would mean to him as a person, how he would start to recognize her values and almost become ashamed of himself for being willing to sell her out. Then she becomes faced with this inner struggle. I, my family needs money really bad. And this young man is offering her money if she'll allow them to take pictures of her. And so the struggle begins with how is Dave and how will Delilah respond to this challenge in with their lives and their values and, you know, other people, you know, people who matter to them, what will they do with this offer of money and this, how will they respond? It's like selling your soul to the devil. You heard that? that I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's I what know. it sounds like. That's wonderful. Next question. What were the key challenges you faced when you were writing this particular book? Well, um, one challenge that I really came up against is that I wanted this to be a story of a young man who's not Amish getting to know a young girl who is. And if you, I've been in that situation myself. And you, as you can well imagine, um, it's not something that Amish people would be excited about. And so I needed to come up with a way that they could spend time together and not be offensive to the family. And they end up, the situation comes down to, is Dave going to sell her out or is he going to help her literally escape from the media? Because that's what she wants to do. I, I don't want to give too much away, but that he ends up helping her escape. And the family sends along their youngest boy and that he becomes a chaperone so that they're not alone. But the little guy doesn't know, even know how to speak English. So it was a challenge for me to come up with a way that they could be alone, but yet not alone. And um, this little boy became the answer. And then it became a challenge. How do my readers get to know this little guy when he doesn't speak English? And you'll find as you read the book that um, it's quite an interesting adventure getting to know this little guy. And you definitely will get to know him, Earl. I can't even imagine how hard that was to write when he wasn't communicating. Um, yeah, I end up having Delilah do a lot of interpreting for you. 
that, that, was, that makes sense. That makes sense. I was sitting here trying to think, well, how would you do that? If he couldn't speak English, Dave couldn't understand him. Uh, but yeah, I would see where, where Delilah would have to do all the interpreting. That, <laughs> that, that's interesting. That's so interesting. Well, you know, I've said in many of my podcasts that I believe that the first page of a book is so important. But um, as we were chatting in the very beginning, before we hit the record button, you had said that you thought maybe the second page of your book was more interesting. So do you have um, any problem with reading us whatever section in the book you think will draw our listeners in? Okay, I'd be happy to. Let me just set up briefly where you're at in the book. Okay, so, all right. Because I'm going to start reading in the middle of a page. But, okay. So this Dave has, has gone to a restaurant where he thinks the real Delilah might be, and it turns out there's two Delilahs working there. But he, he immediately recognizes one of them as being very much like the girl in the book. And so I'm going to be reading to you a section where he's sitting at the table having a cinnamon roll that she happened to make. He is getting ready to have a conversation with her as she comes back to his table to bring him a cinnamon roll. So here we go. A few moments later, Delilah reappeared, dishcloth in hand, and stopped at a table directly across from Dave's booth. He tried to conceal how carefully he was studying her every move. He watched as she engaged in a friendly conversation with a woman who was with her two adolescent daughters, both dressed in skin-tight volleyball uniforms. The girls held out napkins, pleading with the waitress for her autograph. Delilah wrinkled up her nose again with a slight smile, just as she had when Dave complimented her family's cinnamon rolls. She scribbled on their napkins, and the woman and her daughter stood to leave, admiring their autographs and giggling. Delilah quickly cleared away their mess and wiped the gingham check tablecloth clean. Within minutes, she breezed over to Dave's table with his coffee and roll. He tried to sound nonchalant as he questioned her. I couldn't help but notice those young girls asking for your autograph. What was that about? Oh, nothing. It's just silly. She waved her hand toward the table left by the girls, as if pushing away any compliment. Dave raised one eyebrow. Really? Nothing? Can you give me just a little hint about it? She tilted her head and blushed. Have you heard about the famous Amish girl in Indiana? Dave gave her a wide-eyed, questioning look, attempting to draw out more of an explanation. Well, there's a best-selling novel about an Amish girl named Delilah. I guess people all over America are crazy about her. Her lilting voice and lips that curved into a smile as she talked interested Dave as much as her words. At first, everyone thought this Delilah was a made-up character. Then, the authors told some news people that there's a real girl named Delilah, and he didn't make her up after all. No kidding. Dave tried to pretend he didn't know anything about it. What is it about her that everyone likes? Don't ask me. I'm not much of a reader. I just work here at DJ Steiner and keep busy at home when I'm not here. That still doesn't explain why those girls wanted your autograph, Dave reminded her. I see, she wrinkled up her nose, and her lips returned to that slight smile before answering. Well, my name is Delilah, and they think that I remind them of the girl in the book. Oh, that must be a really good feeling to get all of that attention, right? Not at all, she said, and her dark eyebrows straightened. 
I think the whole thing is silly. Why did you sign your autograph then? They asked me to do it. I didn't want to hurt their feelings. It doesn't cost anything to write my name. If they want it, they can have it. But I do think it's silly. She looked Dave in the eyes to see if he understood. When their gaze locked, Dave remembered something his dad used to say. If you want to be sure you found the right girl, don't look at her eyes. Look into them. Dave allowed himself to peer deeply into Delilah's eyes, and his heart skipped a beat. He perceived something profound in them. He wasn't sure if he saw pain or sweetness, wisdom or innocence. He couldn't pull his eyes away from her until she blushed and turned abruptly and began toying with the ribbons that dangled from her white head covering. She poured a little more coffee in his cup and said, I'd better check on my other tables. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to keep you from your work. When she walked away, Dave covered his mouth and spoke into his hands with an excited whisper. She's the one. He tried to grasp what it was that he saw in her eyes. He couldn't put it into words, but he instantly knew that this was the type of girl books are written about. He didn't know if he felt attracted to her or if he just felt if she just constituted a curiosity for him. Regardless, he felt something strong. He wanted to talk to her, ask her questions about her life, about her feelings. He suddenly wanted to know how this Amish girl lived, what she thought about, what she dreamed about. However, he tried to push back those thoughts and focus on his job. He could make a lot of money by locating the girl his boss hired him to find. Dave savored the rich aroma of the coffee that rose with steam from his cup. He tugged a soft piece of cinnamon roll loose and dipped it into the dark liquid. Once again, a perfectly baked cinnamon sugary bite melted in his mouth. Oh my, and can that girl bake? Oh my goodness. <laughs> that was wonderful. That was wonderful. You read us so much and you really pulled you pulled me into the storyline. So I'm sure our listeners will be pulled in again. And again, that was Samson and Amish Delilah and it is one of Thomas's um older books, but um still great the same. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you so much for letting me uh, share it with you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So I have to ask, I know that you are in the middle of a project right now. Um, can you tell us what you're working on? Yes, I'm pretty excited about it, but it's actually not Amish, which may surprise you, but okay. it is almost Amish. It is a book about the Amana colonies, and the Amana colonies are a unique set of seven villages that are really in my backyard, not far from the Amish community on the other side of my backyard. And um, these seven villages uh, were an intentional community back in the 1800s. And the uh, Amanas, most people have heard of Amana radar range ovens, but um, that actually had its source in the Amana colonies. And they, um, an Amana person came up with the first radar range oven. Uh, but the Amanas have ceased to be an intentional community, but the villages still are there. It's very fascinating historically, and the people live very much like the Amish. People in our area always confuse the two, and I talk about that in my book. And so the story will not feel so different than Amish, but it will be about um, 
a group that's actually Anabaptist, just like Amish are. Um, they lived a plain lifestyle. And, and it, so it should, um, my readers shouldn't really be thrown off by the fact that it's not Amish. So do you have a title you can share with us? Yes. The title of the book is Amana, and then under that, a subtitle, Remain True, because the word Amana means remain true. It becomes a very important part of the story. Oh, so when do you think you'll be able to get this book published? Well, I'm hoping to retire from the post office very soon, and like as soon as possible. And the book is mostly written but I have struggled to come up with enough time to uh, polish it off. And I w hope to work on that um, very soon, get it to a publisher and see, you know, start working on the timeline. But I bet it will be at least months before it would come out, if not, you know, maybe a half a year or something. Well, we will be watching for it. And when you get it published, you let me know when we will have you back on the Buggy Talk podcast so you can explain it or you can introduce us all to it. Okay. That sounds fun. Well, to finish up, I do like to finish up with something fun. So I like to play a, a speed round where I ask you a series of questions and you just rattle off the first thing that comes to your mind. You ready? Hey, I'm nervous, but I'll try it. <laughs> All right, they're simple. First one, say a word in Spanish. Ooh, no comprende? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, what is your favorite junk food? Um, maybe Twinkies. <laughs> a Twinkie? Is that what you said, a Twinkie? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, how good are you at keeping a secret? Oh, boy. My wife would say 1 or 2. <laughs> uh, I'd like to think that a big, important secret, I could go up in the 7 or 8 range. But if you really want something hidden, don't tell me. <laughs> there you go. Oh, my goodness. So did you have a nickname as a child, and what was it? Um... Tommy Nye. <laughs> what was that? What was that? Uh, Tommy Nye. Oh, Tommy Nye. Tommy Nye. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> that was pretty much, you know, nobody, very few people call me that anymore, but a lot of people called me Tommy Nye. Tommy Nye. That's funny. And what, to, la to end, what is the fa your favorite day of the week? Sunday, definitely. Sunday, um, good. I'm not at work. I can go and worship and with people I love and... Um, just have a relaxing day. I love Sundays. I, I love Sundays, too. Well, Thomas, I want to thank you for spending time with us this week, and I look forward to hearing more about your future projects here on the Buggy Talk podcast. Is there anything you'd like to add before we sign off? Um, I guess just that people can find out more about me if they look for my blog. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and my blog all have the name Amish horses. So if you type in Amish horses, um, you might get pictures of Amish horses. But if you type in Amish horses blog or Amish horses Facebook page, you will connect with me. And um, I like to connect with readers and I would be happy to, to find out that you have uh, sent out a requ friend request or um, have followed me on Instagram or Twitter at Amish horses.
Well, perfect. And I will make sure I add all those links in the show notes so everybody can just scroll down on this podcast and find them. And that wraps up this episode. And I encourage you to visit my website at tracyfredikowski.com to see a complete list of some of your favorite Amish fiction authors and all the great books they add to the Amish landscape. And thank you so much for having me. And I must say, I am a big fan of Buggy Talk. And I think I've listened to every episode maybe multiple times. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Thomas. It has been a pleasure having you on. Thank you. Thank you.